Hello and welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today I got a chance to speak with Juliana Riolino of the project JR and the Canadian-based group Daniel Romano's Outfit. Um, I was able to play with them in Greenville, South Carolina at the radio room and you know, she was playing with Daniel Romano's Outfit who had been touring pretty heavily at the time and it really showed they were just absolutely dialed in and just incredible to watch. And she was a real standout member of that band. So I was really excited to get a chance to talk to her. Um, and, you know, she put out that JR record, which is some older recordings, I believe, that um, only more recently came out. Man, it is just an incredible record. Totally worth a listen. Um, but yeah, Daniel Romano's outfit, I believe, is going back on tour before long. And, you know, during the pandemic, they put out this live stream that was. Uh, just absolutely fantastic and Peter Jesperson you know of Twin Tone and Replacements uh, Notoriety uh, even was shouting it out just how much he enjoyed it and we ended up bringing up Peter a little bit in this episode Um, but yeah I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to Juliana she's an amazing artist I hope you guys take the time to listen to that JR record or check out Daniel Romano's outfit Um, just all great projects and I think that you guys are really gonna dig it so Thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy. Goodbye, city. Goodbye, strife. Backwards is forwards most of the time. I was sleeping when I found you in well, you know, what, what's your family like? Is it a musical family or were, were you kind of just finding that outside of the family unit? Uh, I found it outside of my family unit. Um, definitely my dad um, loved and appreciated music a lot. So like he has like, you know, he collected records and stuff and but like it wasn't like a main focal point. Um, my mom is a nurse and my dad's a paramedic. And uh, so I think my memory of growing up was just like my parents were just constantly on shift work. Um, that's kind of the deal. We didn't ever like, you know, we weren't like joined around the table, you know, singing songs and playing instruments. I, I picked up the guitar when I was, 12 because I really really wanted to play the guitar and I really wanted to play the electric guitar and my dad kind of forced me into acoustic first because he was like you know I've heard that it's you know it's better to start you on acoustic so that you know later you can venture into electric territory so yeah I kind of initiated the whole the whole process uh, on my own just because I had an affinity towards singing and, um, you know, I had this kind of, I needed, I felt like maybe I just needed that as a creative outlet. Like I just inherently knew like, oh, I have all these melodies inside my head and I, I need to get them out. Whether or not I actually understood that uh, at the time, but I, I just gravitated towards it. So, yeah. So, you said that you you know you got the guitar at twelve. Was it 
you think it was around the same time that you sort of felt inspired to sing, or do you think uh, guitar was the the main thing for a while before you started exploring that, or was it kind of simultaneous? Well, I mean, my parents, we we grew up, I think we went to Baptist church, and then we were <laughs> we went to Pentecostal church. And uh, as much as I, like, I basically had to go to church every Sunday, whether or not I wanted to. And I think it was just like something my parents thought was good for us and created a really good sense of community kind of in this like small blue collar town or whatever. And my favorite part of being there was just being able to sing. So I think maybe that was the first time I, that, that was kind of like a vessel that allowed me to sing and play songs or at least sing. So I would say that I, I started singing before, before I started playing guitar. Right. I guess in guitar was when you started kind of like tinkering towards something that was original and less so, so yeah. singing in the church. I could relate to that though. I went, I remember going to a Baptist church as a kid with my parents and, uh, it's funny because all the all of the like hymns are really pretty boring mm-hmm. in the Baptist church. It's not very yeah. not the most exciting uh, music, but I remember all of the like the old guys would sing with the like ridiculously exaggerated baritones, whether or not yeah. they were actual baritone singers. Yeah. So I remember me and my brother just kind of mocking that yeah. fake baritone <laughs> voice and getting chuckles out of each other. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so if you started playing, you know, however focused or not at 12, do you kind of remember when it shifted towards like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm picking apart this instrument, but now I want to like put two and two together and try to turn it into a song and kind of trying to focus on it a bit more? Honestly, as soon as I figured out how to play three chords, I, I started uh, making songs. And it was, it's kind of weird to explain because I can't really pinpoint the time or, or whether or not I actually knew what I was doing. Um, but I feel like I always just have, and I still like, it's the same now. Like I always just have melodies in my head and the guitar was one way to kind of like get them out of me and uh, you know, help them materialize by, you know, having some sort of like foundation behind, you know, just my voice. Um, but, but yes, I think I, as soon as I figured out how to play three chords, it was like, like cheesy saying three chords is the truth. Like it's, it's pretty <laughs> accurate. Like it's all I needed to know. And, uh, I, I took lessons at central music, which is, uh, like a, age-old Welland establishment and uh my guitar teacher was like super old his name was Nick and you know he would like try to teach me whatever he knew but also like I just don't think his heart was in it so I ended up like I don't know being able like going on the computer and like looking up tabs and chords and then like teaching myself further because I just like I don't know no, I, I, just, I was I, such a keener. Yeah, I think I can uh, get where you're coming from. I, I, I don't know if we're, I, you know, if we're the exact same generation, but I think we're close in age. I'm, I'm fastly approaching thirty. I'm not quite sure where you're at, but 
I think we're both close enough to the tablature generation. <laughs> like yeah. a lot of us grew up on that. Those those like a big thing for a while where they would do all the tab books and yeah. yeah. I think that also that also gave me a good sense of like like knowing uh what sounded right and what sounded wrong. Like I kind of always been told that I have a pretty good ear. Like I'm not technically proficient, you know, like everything I know is like pretty instinctual. Um, but I remember like being able to open a tab or like, uh, you know, the cords on whatever, uh, the internet and being like, Nope, that's wrong. And like trying to figure it out. And like, you know, since then my skills have, you know, kind of, maybe hopefully developed more. Right. I'm sure they have. I mean, it, uh, but you know, it's a, the funny thing is when I listen, cause I've, I've gone, you know, pretty far down the rabbit hole of, of what's, you know, accessible and easy to find of your, uh, musical output. And I've, I've found some videos from years and years ago, you know, like a decade ago and you, your, uh, your sound is pretty fully formed or at least like your. uh, your voice. I mean, you, it seems like you found your voice very early. Like, uh, do you feel that way at all? I actually look back on those videos. It's funny that you mentioned that because I think I've recently gone down. I don't do this often because I it it uh, haunts me to go back. It goes. It haunts me to go into the past because I I feel like I constantly have to like. I feel like I'm. I am very hard on myself, so I'm always trying to like hone or be better. Uh, but I don't, I look back on those videos and I think like, oh my God, like you don't know, like you don't know what you're doing at all, but you just have like the gumption, you know, <laughs> you just like blindly go. It's funny that you say that because I've looked back on those videos and I, and I think that my voice is developed like I, I think it's more just being um, conscious of what I'm doing vocally now, you know. Whereas mm-hmm. before, I was just like, it just kind of, it was just kind of like it came from a, came from my soul. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying a lot of cheesy things right now. But. Uh, not at all. I, I, I completely understand. And, you know, when I hear like, say something, the, you know whether it be your the EP that came out not too long ago or, you know, some of the stuff with the outfit, you can hear that there's uh, there's been an insane amount of growth uh, as a, both a player and a singer on your part. But I guess what I mean so, is uh, not that there hasn't been that, like, you know, that arc to your journey or, you know, however you want to put it, but that you, uh, I guess you hear like a lot of people's earliest stuff and it just sounds like a completely different singer. If any, mm-hmm. to me, it sounds like you were really onto something and then you've just spent this time growing mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. then, as opposed to a lot of people spend that early time searching and then mm-hmm. it kind of cuts into the growth period because they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out kind of who their musical or what their musical personality is. And I think yeah. that that's, that seems to have changed with you over the over the years as well but as far as like just uh i think maybe just purely on the vocal chops like i think that your style has changed a bit but you just you were clearly like a talented singer with chops very early on (laughs) well thank you yeah it's it's funny i i even even now i over analyze everything that i do um but 
Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I feel like, I feel like I've always kind of, I think, I think I've gotten like songwriting has gotten easier in a way because I don't think about it too much. It's like a fine balance of like not thinking about it and thinking about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but whereas I think when I was like those videos you've probably watched, I was like 18 or something. And I, I was just like, yeah, this sounds good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, some of it, uh, God, I'm blanking on the song, but there was one that's, it was like a fairly full band video. The one thing that might narrow it down is the guitar player in the video was playing a very small Gibson, if that <laughs> narrows it down. It's like a super short scale, funky little fun looking guitar. But I just remember thinking that like, it almost felt like a precursor to some of the sounds that are explored within the uh specific group of players that make up the outfit which you know i know is a very different context than your personal songwriting but just some of the like textures that were explored and like the uh, Mm -hmm. tonal qualities it felt oddly stepping stone-esque to that to be pretty removed from it you know um Mm -hmm. which maybe that just speaks to more of a some of the common musical territory throughout your career um but yeah, so I mean, I really do want to eventually touch on that EP. Um, but before we get into that, you know, if we're if we're talking about these earlier days, were you were you kind of bouncing around between projects early on, or was it always kind of more so uh, your songwriting with whatever musicians you wanted to bring into the mix, or was there ever like a band period where you were kind of hopping around doing that thing? Well. So when I was like 17, 18, I finally decided to like break out of my shell and, you know, be public in my guitar playing and singing and being like, yeah, I'm going to play music. And um, I found, you know, a couple friends that we all hung out because I always hung out. Welland is, like, very insular, you know? Like, there's, like, a, you really gravitate towards, like, a certain group of people, and, like, that group of people isn't, like, super large, you know? Um, so, like, I had a couple friends that I knew, and they were like, yeah, sure, I'll play with you. And actually, Kenny Meehan, who does sound and engineering for the outfit, was actually in my band when I was, like, 18 years old. Um playing bass and we used to jam in his parents basement and you know like my other friend Jordan who was a really gifted drummer played drums and then like my friend Smitty it was just like you know the group of friends we all hung out with like oh you play you play drums and like you play guitar and like Kenny you can figure out bass you know so like here's a band and like what else are we gonna do sort of thing um and they were all really great because I was like really young and really had no idea what I was doing. And they were all just like, yeah, we're down. And like, your songs are great. And like, let's do it, you know? So I feel really blessed that I got that, you know, I, I was living in an environment like that. Um, but yeah, I guess that's how that started. I didn't really go in between bands per se I really focused on my own stuff 
and then I took a break. I, I was going to school at the time, and then I kind of took a break after school to pursue um, what I went to school for. And so that's kind of when, like, I fall off the face of the planet. And uh, what did you go to school for, if you don't mind me asking? I, so I went to school for architectural restoration. Uh, I went to, like, this little private college in Niagara-on-the-Lake uh, in a little uh, town called Queenston. And uh, I went to school call, uh, to a school called Willow, Willowbank. And uh, they accepted, like... 10 students a year. It was like super hippy dippy. Uh, we learned hands-on skills and theoretical practices in terms of like restoration and uh, heritage and history and all that stuff. And I uh, gravitated towards glazing and stained glass. And so the entire time I was going to school there, I was playing gigs with my band and like, you know, not, like, touring extensively or anything, like, going to London, Ontario, like, doing, like, the, you know, a very basic, like, playing Toronto every weekend or, like, London and then, like, Barrie or wherever around <clears throat> Ontario. And then, like, getting up and going to school at, you know, 8 in the morning and uh, laying a bunch of bricks or building a... Um, a timber frame shed for the school or like, wow. yeah, it was, it was pretty insane. And then I got an apprenticeship doing stained glass restoration. And at that time I had been playing music with these dudes and like, I was just kind of, I was just kind of over it, you know, like it, it became, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I think I just needed a break to figure out, you know, what I was doing and if I wanted to do it and um, who I wanted to do it with, you know, because a lot of like the dudes in the band, I love them all dearly, but certain people I was like, okay, you know, I took it really seriously. And then like a couple of the dudes would just like use it as an excuse to get like super wasted every night. And I was I was like, I can't, you know, I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm doing with my life sort of thing. So I took a few years to focus on what I went to school for. Um, well, that, that's super interesting. I would, I, uh, I personally have not met anybody who's studied architectural restoration. Do you kind of remember what um, sparked your like initial interest in going down that uh, going down that road and studying that? I don't know. I just have an affinity for old things and, <laughs> and like old buildings. Um, my dad like loved architecture. Um, I think he also wanted to be an architect when he was a kid and stuff. And so that kind of rubbed off on me and I like was very blessed to, get to go on like my so I'm Italian as well <clears throat> my dad's super Italian his name's Basil that's how Italian he is awesome <laughs> and uh we have family all over Europe because basically my my grandfather and my grandmother were like one of 10 children 
and they all went all over the place. And some of them immigrated to Canada and some of them immigrated to the UK and then, you know, some of them stayed in Italy. So we were really blessed to be able to go travel and go to Europe and whatever. So going back to the whole architecture thing, when I was a kid, I would, I get, I would get to go to like, you know, uh, England and I got to go to Scotland and I got to go to Italy and I got to go see all these really old buildings. And I just thought this is amazing. And, um, like I'm a very sentimental person. So being in a place where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have stood before me and like, you know, I'm in front of like insane craftsmanship and, you know, basically, everything is covered in like the human touch and everything has a memory. I, I love that stuff. That stuff. I'm like, I'm a, I don't know. I, that stuff fascinates me. So that's kind of what led me to that. Yeah. That I think, I think if you're surrounded by that, it's, it's easy to see how you could latch on to the like more romantic aspects of that. And I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, cause around here, the big, like, I guess the most common, style of architecture that you see people kind of uh appreciating around here is like the sort of southern gothic thing i have no feel for what like what what's the the more more striking side of uh the historic architecture in like the welland area is it any specific style (laughs) there's nothing (laughs) really yeah i don't know if it's because maybe i i resent like the you know maybe what was so fascinating to me was being in a place that was so different from where I grew up you know where and had such like had so like so much more history and not that Welland doesn't have history because Welland is you know rife with history but the people that live in Welland don't really appreciate what they have you know they just kind of bulldoze and build anew and keep sprawling out in different areas, you know? So I, there was, there's not really a lot. I would say maybe there's like a, maybe a little art deco downtown, maybe like a really cool, like Romanesque building, but like, you know, that would be like a church or something. But a lot of it isn't, like the downtown of Welland isn't really used to its potential and I have this conversation all the time and I don't want to get into it so I'll just get confused <laughs> about it <laughs> yeah I think it's a shame you think about like I mean I assume it hit in Canada similarly but you know like late 80s early 90s like the uh strip malls just popping up everywhere and then mm-hmm. uh not, you know businesses going up and going under and they tear it down and just build you know, more strip malls, strip malls yeah. on top of strip malls. It's just like yeah. kind of, I grew up on a beach town and it's like, you know, the absolute mecca of tacky strip malls and beach stores and whatever else. So there's like, it's funny to think that, you know, people think of, oh yeah, the South, it's Southern Gothic. You know, it's similarly, it's like, yeah, the old churches and handful mm-hmm. of places, but most of it's just a, you know, unimpressive building from the nineties that's been, a Jamba yeah. Juice or something, you know. <laughs> Jamba Juice. I don't know if we have those in Canada. Yeah, I I don't even know if we if it's still a thing here. <laughs> we, we have Booster Juice. That's that's the thing that we have. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm definitely like a bit of a fast food tourist, so it's good to know what's 
what's where in regards to that. But uh, so I guess uh, you know, so you're you're in college and you're gigging kind of just in the regional scene. Um, and I know that uh, that the the EP the JR record that came out is it's, you know, it's not brand new as far as the recordings, but is it is it the first like full like it is it's the first it's the first like full ep that's released that i recorded and i recorded it you know i think three three years ago now maybe two and a half i have no concept of time anymore Uh, yeah especially Uh, now every day kind of feels the same (laughs) yeah yeah i don't even know what day it is Uh, it is monday but i only know that because i didn't work today I only know that because Roddy just told me he's having a case of the Mondays. Oh, man. Well, I, I hate then to I hear called, that. Then I, I called him Garfield and I told him to eat some lasagna. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, I know that you were, obviously you were writing a ton of songs and there's a million reasons why uh, things don't necessarily culminate in a, in a record. Um, but do you have much of a like perspective at this point as to what uh what kind of kept you from publishing anything in that regards like in those i mean it's kind of almost like the first the better part of the first decade of your songwriting career was less of a like a an album output and more of like a shows and mm-hmm. writing output kind of right uh, honestly i had i had recorded with some people and I just didn't like the way they sounded. And I couldn't pinpoint why. And I think I was too young to know how to articulate why, because I don't think I knew. And I felt like maybe I was still growing as, you know, like an artist. And I thought, I don't know if I want anybody to hear these. I think I just need to keep growing and figuring out what I'm doing. And I, like, I mean, that's how I can explain it in the simplest way. Um, yeah. Well, I would say that, uh, you know, that says something about maybe your foresight, especially at that age. You know, a lot of people wouldn't think, oh, well, let me just keep, you know, keep this project kind of cooking and see where it could get instead of just, uh, you know, putting those first recordings out. And I think, you know, whatever the reasoning is that, that led to, you know, a lot of things being left on the cutting room floor. And then this, this EP being the, you know, the first full recording or full EP that's come out. I think that you did a great job selecting the songs that, that made the cut, you know, um, do you feel like you have like a, a, a grasp on like what about the songs that did make it onto that EP? Uh, what aspects of them made you feel like, all right, this is it. I'm I'm ready to to put it out there. Well, I had this factor grant that I had to basically like there. They, when you so I don't know if you guys know about factor. No, that's new to me. Uh, okay, so factor is a um, a Canadian uh, grant. Um, I think like it's funded by the broadcasting like society. Um, and so people put money in and then they dole out who can, you know, 
who gets what and for what. And so I had applied for what they call an artist development grant. And uh, they give you a time limit. And they give you, like, kind of this amount of money. And then there's, like, a portion of it that you have to pay back, like, the tax on it or whatever. And they had this time limit of how, like, when I had to do it by. And I was thinking, like, all right, I've committed to this. Because I also uh, suffer from being, like I've said prior, like, earlier in this conversation, my own worst enemy. So, like, I'll put things off. Like, (laughs) I will put things off because that's easier to, you know, confront, confront what makes you insecure. But um, I basically had this, like, time limit, and I was like, all right, like, let's do it. And my friend Ross Miller, um, he's in this band called The Dirty Nil. And he had, you know, I contacted him and he was like, oh, I know this guy, Dan Edmonds. Like, he's like, he's like, he has a studio called Fort Rosie and it's in Hamilton and like, he'll record your record. And I was like, sweet. And I just kind of narrowed down the songs. Like, a lot of those were new. And then I think there was two that were songs I had been sitting on for years and years. And uh, I think the majority of the songs that I recorded, I mean, there's only five of them were, were newer to me. So they were more interesting to me. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's how I narrowed it down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's pretty interesting because you think of you know a lot of people's first. I mean, and th- I guess this is just another byproduct of you kind of taking your time as far as figuring out which songs you're ready to put out into the world like that. But you know, a lot of people's first record you always hear it's like okay, it's, it's ten songs written over the course of ten years, and then we put it all out. Whereas I feel like it seems like with the exception of those two that are a little bit older, you kind of waited for the the songs that that hit you with enough, uh, I don't know, in the right way to make you want to publish it, which kind of is a, I don't know, I just feel like it's a different approach, but I think it, the, the EP was served well by that process. Um, and there, and yeah, I really like all of the songs. They're all like, it, it's, a, it's not a very static record in the sense that it's not like you have like one thing that you're doing for five songs, but yet there, it is super cohesive. Um, you know, it, kind of takes you on a pretty dynamic journey there but one of the songs that like that I found like maybe particularly striking um the song Better Off it just had a lot that was resonating with me and all of this I I, I was a fan of the lyrics on every song but the ones on that one in particular just seemed to like just gut punchers you know um yeah, like that line, I'm, I'm alone and at my best. It's like so simple, yet so uh, powerful at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I really think you hit the nail on the head with that. Was it, where was, uh, where did you guys record it at again? Uh, it's called, the studio's called Fort Rosie. And I get confused because some people call it Fort Rose and some people call, call it Fort Rosie. Uh, it's in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, I think... It's run by Aaron Hutchinson, uh, who is a really gifted musician. Uh, he mixed the record, or the EP, uh, and uh, he actually plays trumpet on some of the songs for Dan's record, because Dan needed a, a trumpet player, and I was like, you gotta get Hutchie. Um, 
and yeah, he's really sick. And then Dan Edmonds is a, another guy. He like produced it and he played on it. And um, he is also a very gifted musician. And I think a really talented producer. He's got he's got a new record coming out, and it honestly it it floors me like the way he just layers sounds. So yeah, and I think that's I, that definitely applies to the approach on on these songs too. I mean, there's there's yeah. some instrumentation that uh, there's a I'm, I'm blanking on which song it happens in, but there's a a moment in one song where these synths I think come in and you and you. A wouldn't wouldn't have been the instrument you expect, but they also, they're uh, the way they're incorporated are just very natural. Like it doesn't feel like all right now we're here's our new wave moment. It's like it just feels like yeah. somehow if despite not necessarily being a an instrument that's like heavily incorporated into the record, it just very seamlessly mm-hmm. flowed and yeah. it was very layered and uh, I don't yeah. know. It seemed like it was a uh, labored over. Uh, and you know in a very thoughtful way yeah he's he's just so good at understanding what what the ear needs you know he's like you know just his way of explaining things is is so i you know is so interesting to me like he's just such a gentle soul and he's such a gift for writing and he's an a great artist and uh you know, like I would, he would do some synth parts and then I would come back to the studio and like we, we, you know, he would show me like, okay, so I added, I added this. And then he would show me a synth part. I'd be like, it's like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like it, it just, it heightened the song so much. And he's like, I just feel like, you know, we needed to give some other kind of sound, like introduce some other sound at this point And, you know, you know, to try to like, awaken people's ears in a, in a different way. And that was like something like maybe I consider when I'm writing a song, but also not in the, not in that context, you know, not in that environment. Like I'm definitely a songwriter and my, my experience in the recording studio is, is not as, you know, um, it's, it's, I'm not as experienced as other people, you know? So I'm still learning. So every time I get a little tidbit, I'm always like, wow, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that EP is a great reference point for, for uh, you know, just a great example of, of how to incorporate all those sounds. Um, but yeah, now that you have the EP out, have you have you put much thought into, you know, maybe doing another JR release full length or otherwise down the road? I actually, I actually have a... LP in the bag um, at the moment. Hell yes. I was hoping that was the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, that was a really fun experience. Um, yeah. It's being mixed at the moment and I'm pretty happy with it, but you know, I also got to like not sit around on it too long because I get in my head about things. <laughs> and I'm always like, one day I'm like, yo, this is really great. And then, 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 then another day I'll be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm garbage. This is garbage. Throw it in the trash, you know? Yeah. Maybe that, that's the one advantage to, to putting a fork in it and just putting it out there is it, it yeah. kind of, uh, 
keeps you from being able to overthink it as far as uh, the own worst enemy aspect of it. Because, I mean, at this point, I think, uh, though you might be, you know, I mean, it's hard to not be your own worst critic. And that's probably because you're trying to just keep yourself growing. But it uh, should definitely be noted that, you know, you've kind of got this shit figured out <laughs> you know whether or not you whether or not you uh have as much recording experience as the next person uh you certainly have as much talent as the next person so i think that uh you know trust your gut just put those things out there i think it, it uh i think whatever the batch of songs you're sitting on uh you know what kind of musical territory they're hitting on they're mostly rooted in you know a couple decades worth of songwriting experience at this point you know yeah yeah it's definitely just a lot of I don't know I find like songwriting comes like I I think I maybe take it for granted because it does come a little bit easier to me than other people maybe um at least I've been told that and I don't know why but you know I'm very grateful for that and, you know, I have the benefit of, too, but of, you know, always kind of being around people that I admire and respect as musicians too, that I can, you know, I watch their process and I learn from it. You know, I take little tidbits or, you know, try not to put so much pressure on myself. Um, and that, like, whenever I do put pressure on myself, I found that like maybe the reason that I stopped playing music for a long time was because I was thinking too hard about what I thought I should be doing and how I and how people would ex- express, you know, how you should what a good song is and like what how you should write a song. And I just thought, well, I've always just I've always just done it, you know. Right. And I have really like the minute I ha- the minute I think too hard about something is the minute it becomes too controlled and then you know then it's a shit song. Yeah, and that's <laughs> when you start to hate the the work because you're like yeah. you're whatever it's starting to feel like too calculated and not just uh you know organic I guess it might be the right word. Yeah. Um Yeah, I and I agree with that completely. Yeah, it's there's something about when you really you're trying to make a song happen as opposed to letting a song happen. It's just a very different experience. And it's when you'll get frustrated and kind of hit a wall often. Um, I mean, some, some musicians can do it. We just watched a Bee Gees documentary where they, they were talking about how when they got into the studio, they had no lyrics. They had no songs written at all. And they would just go into the studio and write an entire album. You know, it yeah. works for some, it works for some people, but yeah, that's just know. such a foreign idea to me i guess i guess it just has to deal with like your probably it has a lot to do with your personality type some people are just so matter of fact and businessy even about the writing process you know Mm -hmm. like i gotta write every day for 30 minutes i need to try to write and that as opposed to i guess the other end of the spectrum might be more like yeah i'm gonna write when the inspiration hits as opposed to trying to will it into existence Hmm. I mean, sometimes you can, sometimes you can, but also I think it's like more of, it's more of like your, your, your mental state, uh, in regards to like what songwriting is, you know, yeah. I don't know if that, that makes sense. Like if you, fo- if you think, if you think to yourself, 
oh, I need to write a song about this and this is what it's going to be about and, and blah, 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 blah. And you put all these like, you know, restrictions on your, on your mind, then you're probably going to get a shit song. You know, yeah. you're probably thinking about it way too hard, but like, you know, I'm not knocking the whole, I mean, I certainly, you know, I probably should play guitar at least a little bit more every day, but you know, like if someone, if that's, if someone's process is like, I'm going to sit down at a guitar and like play for 30 minutes a day and like, you know, try to write a song, you know, I think that's good practice too. I just think it's like all about the, the way you're thinking about what a song is and how, how to write a song. I think you just got to not think about it. Yeah, totally. I do think that, uh, sometimes like I like parameters, uh, on writing like as a tool every once in a while. I don't think that, uh, it's definitely not something that needs to be a constant, but sometimes if you're like, all right, we're going to write a song with zero metaphors or, or whatever, like just weird parameters that you can self-imposed as opposed to like, uh, um, maybe less thematic and more of like taking away options, um, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of narrow your, narrow your field of vision a little bit. Sometimes that can be kind of a, some interesting things can come out of that as far as, uh, you know, you're like trimming out a lot of possibilities and, Mm -hmm. uh, but which seems like maybe it would make something less creative, but sometimes if you, you know, narrow it down to that, extent it almost makes it where you have this like hyper focused thing that can be kind of beautiful too so yeah. yeah it i mean i guess that's the beauty of songwriting as a whole right it's a it's a dip, little bit of a different experience every single time so that's yeah. what makes it it's, fun it's kind of like this weird stream of consciousness that i kind of like dip i kind of dip into this like other world and i sometimes don't even realize it's happening sometimes like you know i just it's like my body just goes pick up guitar and then (laughs) pick up guitar and then i'm writing words and i'm not even thinking about the words i'm writing i'm just writing them down that sounds really weird but sometimes that's what it is but other times it's like i'm writing down you know uh four crazy you know potential titles of songs and saying like okay this is your challenge for today like write a song that is this is, is somewhat about has to do with this title i think that's actually a, like a really good approach i was just listening to something where old bruce springsteen was talking about like sometimes i'm lucky if i just get a good song title and then you know the song will probably come to life shortly thereafter but mm-hmm. you know uh yeah or uh i think mike watt said one time too that like a great or maybe it was d boone but they said like one great song title is worth a thousand great lyrics, which to an extent, I mean, you think people see the song title before they ever hear any of the lyrics. So if you, if you get them with that, it's, you know, you don't even have to listen to the song to necessarily get them with the song title. Um, yeah, it, it, that's true. I feel like for me, a melody sticks with me over, over a song title. Oh yeah. I, and like, I, that's, that seems to yeah. be evident throughout your career. I mean, there's like a strong sense of melody that you have a great ear for, for melody and earworms for days. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm real, I'm real shit at remembering song titles. I'm really bad at it, but like, it, I'll tell you a funny story today. <laughs> I was like washing dishes. I was cleaning up the kitchen 
and I had like three different songs in my head and I was, and I guess I didn't have any music playing and I was just like cleaning and my husband comes in and he's like, are you not listening to any music? Or are you just like, are you just like singing all these different songs? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just singing all these different songs. He's like, all those different songs are in your head. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like <laughs> that's, it's how, I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I, I don't know. I feel like it kind of, the, the, yeah, melody plagues me. Yeah. I mean, it, it follows me wherever I go. How does melody factor into like, so if you're, if you're sitting down and, 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 you know, getting your first nuggets of an idea, are there, I, I guess just, uh, I guess I'll, the only way to really get this point across is to think of like an uh, example of my own life. But like a lot of times if I'm, if I'm writing something, I'll write a vocal melody just so that I can remember the music, you know, like, like I'll have yeah. a, I'll, it'll, if I can, if I make up just fart out some lyric just to remember that is to, uh, to, to whatever I think the melody is going to be, I'll remember mm-hmm. the entire chord arrangement just because, uh, the, because of that the melody exactly does that is how does that play does the sense of melody play into your like your memory your musical memory i guess oh i think big time i think big time um there are some things there are some songs that i have in my head that i are songs that i haven't finished that are deep in the recesses of my brain that i will completely and utterly forget about and then maybe like a year later, I'll remember like the melody, like maybe not so much the chords, like what you're saying chords, but like words for me. If I have a melody and I have words to go with that melody, like it will be like, I just, a light bulb and it will be like, okay, now I know this whole verse that I wrote that I didn't do anything with or, you know, and then maybe in that moment I'll be like, hmm, maybe I should try to figure that song out. And maybe I should try to, to, to finish that song, you know? But I find that is a very weird thing that happens to me in, in regards to melody. Yeah, I definitely relate. I think that some form of placeholder lyric helps me remember the melody and like uh, at least have a faint memory of the arrangement. But yeah, I think it is, it is almost like, it doesn't matter what the substance is to those lyrics as long yeah. as I can remember them. If I can remember them, I can remember the melody and yeah. thus at like Then you have a foundation. Approximate, you have like some, yeah. yeah, you have something to go off of and it's like a puzzle and it's like fitting it all together and you're like, Oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah. That's actually it's it's kind of fun, you know. Yeah, it is. It's and it's funny, it's like you're almost like tricking your brain a little bit, like, all right, I'm gonna put this plant this little lyrical bug in there so that Hopefully it'll, you know, be a good little callback when the time comes to try to dig a little deeper. Or if you're, or if the well feels like it's running dry, and then you're like, oh, let me look back at some voice memos, and you'll just like find a random yeah. melody and be like, oh yeah. yeah, that wasn't used for anything. Maybe I can, maybe I can do something. Yeah, yeah my phone is rife with voice memos. Uh, isn't it amazing having a little microphone on you all the time? It's crazy. What did people do before? I don't know. <laughs> I think, I, I think back in the day it was a little four track recorder for me doing the same yeah. idea, but it's, you know, I would have to be home and at least near a, an outlet, you know, now it's like I could be on a walk in a park and yeah. I'm sure there's, yeah, it's just, we're living in the future. It's amazing in some ways. Um, 
Well, I guess I'm I'm kind of curious, you know, where were you at in your musical career when when you kind of started working with uh, Daniel and doing the outfit? Had you already recorded the songs that became this EP? Yeah, so my EP was done, and I was just trying to figure out what to do with it and how to release it. And, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people like, and like by people, I mean like publicists and, you know, music biz people. They're like, EPs don't sell. And, you know, you're going to want to bide your time by like, rec- like releasing singles. And so I was like, okay, I'll release, you know, a single. And then like, I'll plan on releasing another single. And um, so, yeah, that was all done. And I was playing shows, um, like still working full time. Um, and I had gotten, you know, kind of like a message from Dan while they were on their European tour, um, basically saying like, Hey, um, would you consider being in the band sort of thing? And that's that's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Yeah. And like, so Dan, Dan and I, like we are from the same city. I've known Dan for a quite a long time. Um, like, you know, like, we, like, I don't want to say grew up together cause he's a bit older than me, but like, we were always in the same like friend circles and like, you know, attack and black would play all over Welland. And, um, I like, he was definitely not a stranger to me and, you know, I, you know, we all kind of hung out in the same circles and he like messaged me and was like, would you consider being in the band? And I was like, yeah, like <laughs> for sure. So um, that basically just slowly, you know, metastasized into what it is now. And, you know, it's sweet because I love them all dearly with every ounce of my heart. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> So, I, guess, I mean, you have the unique perspective, which, I mean, you know, I, I suppose there's plenty of musicians who have done both the front person role or, you know, like the, you know, kind of captaining the ship, but also done a bit more of the, like, accompanist and side player. Although you're kind of like, and the way that the outfit works, it's almost like you're co-fronting it, even though they may be, you know, they might start out as... Daniel song ideas like you're both very your presence on stage feels like there's two people fronting it um uh but how do you like how do you what's your perspective on that juxtaposition between the two roles between being like this you know your project and what you get out of uh, out of that in comparison to what you get out of something like the outfit or things along those lines well I feel like the pressure is the same. Um, like I, I'm the type of person that I just wanted, I want to do the songs justice. And I want, I want to be a vessel that, you know, helps people connect and relate to the material. Um, because I think what Daniel does and his songwriting and his like composing of music is, like bar none, like I have the utmost respect for Dan. So, 
when he asked me to be in the band, I was just like, I just want to do my best and put my best foot forward and do these songs justice. And, you know, I think it's different because I'm not like, I'm not playing guitar and it, they're not my songs, but I still connect with them like they are my songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think it translates like that. I mean, that that's why I think that it uh it almost feels like a shared front person role because the I mean, maybe even just with everybody in the band, everybody feels like nobody feels like they're playing nobody feels like they're playing as though they're a hired gun. You know, everybody seems no. like they're playing yeah, like this is a group effort. That's we're why one big, we're one big family. Like we all love each other so much and I think we're all so passionate about um about what we're doing you know like we're really we're really all feel like we're 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 doing something and we're all really proud of it so yeah rightfully so i think it's a nice feeling (laughs) oh yeah yeah we should all be so lucky to to find that you know find that kind of musical family but yeah when you watch the outfit play it feels like i don't want to say it's a lost art that style of uh you know that style of musical unit but there it feels so timeless and almost not of this era you know like it feels like i don't know words are failing me right now but it feels like i'm time traveling but also are you time traveling to 1968 (laughs) the greatest year there ever was yeah but but also at the same time it doesn't sound dated it doesn't sound like like oh wow this is stuck in 1968 it sounds like 1968 meets 2021 you know in a seamless way which i think is no small effort you know Um, i think that's what's so that's what's so crazy to me about like the music that daniel writes and then like what happens when we all come together as a group is like uh we obviously are all old souls and we all appreciate and love a lot of the same music and have an affinity for, you know, certain, certain eras. Oh, someone's trying to FaceTime me. It was my father. Hey, <laughs> guest appearance from... Leave me alone, Dad. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, but what was I saying? Uh, so yeah, like we always, it's very clear that we have an affinity for, for like us, you know, a certain t- time and we have like r- utmost respect for, for that kind of like generation. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to text my dad and tell him dad, not, not right now. Huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad it's usually whatever the interruption is is on our end. It's like the dogs going <laughs> ape shit or something, you my, know. So my phone, my phone's connected to my computer, so there's really no escaping it. Oh I, yeah, we've had to, you know, especially in this COVID era. Like, there's been plenty of times where we've had to be even more remote than we are, and I've had to, you know, by uh, whatever reason, had to use a phone and dodge family phone calls and whatever. Yeah. You know. I mean, I should have. I should have answered it. I should have. Yeah, answered. just put them on. Be it dead. would have been really. It would have been really funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do that in in uh, part two. We'll make it happen. You could have met Basil. Yeah, what? Maybe we can just book him as a 
uh, have his own episode. <laughs> I bet that would be an amazing episode. <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty. It would be pretty great. Well, well, all all the stuff that we're that we're focusing on as far as like, you know, us taking like trying to have as much of an outside perspective on your own work and in the, the outfit. But I think that a lot of those same sentiments apply to to your own work. You know, I if you were to throw on this JR EP with no context as to who recorded it, when it was recorded, I would be hard-pressed to expect anybody to be able to date it, like, as far as, like, it could have come out 15 years ago, it could have come out last week, you know, which I think is yeah. pretty cool about it, too, because it's not, it's not, um, feels like it's pulling from a well of influences, but none of them are so on your sleeve that it's, a, uh, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, she was listening to a lot of 2000s yeah. era something it's like she's listening to everything and then spit it out purely you know uniquely you basically yeah i don't really know what 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 era it is i don't know yeah. i kind of hope it's not 2000s era no i mean i just throw it out a random <laughs> random timeline there but <laughs> not nothing not knocking the 2000s okay no, there's some gems throughout there for they, sure they you know they formed me obviously but um yeah I, I i don't know i have a hard time when people ask me and i'm glad that you didn't ask me this question like what genre are you oh I'm god like, i hate that question like i think every musician hates that question if, it's a anyone's tough one. At, if anyone's listening to this podcast don't ever ask me that question okay? yeah because yeah, i have a tough no one. idea i just write the songs that i write and the you know yeah i mean hopefully I would say in theory, most of us are trying to avoid being pigeonholed to that extent. But it seems like anytime somebody throws a genre at you, like tries to call you this or that, it's all, no matter what it is, you're like, fuck that. I'm not <laughs> whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, nobody I mean, is for, what think people think me, they are. It's, what, what did you just say, Roddy? <laughs> He's saying that I'm folk punk. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have th thrown that out, but sure. You're just <laughs> as much that as you are. Everything else you are, I feel like. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so I know that you're, you're figuring out, you know, you're getting the, the new LP mixed and just like anybody else trying to navigate what putting out a record is like right now. But do you imagine that assuming, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that the dust settles enough for hitting the road again? Do you see yourself... Uh, trying to tour on your material? Uh, I do, but I'm very much not planning anything as of yet. Um, Fair enough. I, I, I feel like the world is so up up in the air right now, and I, if I were to, if I were to do something like that, I would, I would feel like it would probably be with the outfit in some capacity. Um, just flip up, you know, that same crew just playing your tunes would probably crush it. Oh, I mean, that's what would happen. Yeah. That's, that would definitely be the, the situation. So, you know, we'll see what the future holds and, uh, when we're able to safely play music again, I hope that it's soon, but also I'm willing to wait, you know, if it means that people are safe. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And it's like, you know, 
who wants to announce something and then have to like take it back after the word you know like yeah. as far as like oh yeah we're going on tour psych we're maybe down the road i would rather similarly wait until hopefully there's a point where you don't have to be like yeah fingers crossed this actually happens and you can just you know do yeah. like we used to do plan it and follow through um yeah but if that happens please you know i know that South Carolina is not everybody's stopping point, but I would be extremely excited. In, yeah, I you feel like we stopped in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I we uh I actually was able to share a bill with you guys in Greenville. It was the last show I played prior to the bottom falling out with COVID. So um Radio Room? Yeah, that little little humble little bar you should you guys lucked out in the sense that you got the radio room 2.0 basically which is pretty cool like a pretty like classic uh little you know dive bar but man prior radio room you know version one completely different experience you guys have no idea it was like the strangest room it was one of those places where in greenville all the bars close at two so yeah. they were a private club, so they would be open after two. So basically, all the heavy, heavy drinkers in town would come there at two. So they, they were notorious for being like, "Yeah, the best spot to have on the bills two is like two thirty. And I'm like, "Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? I don't got to do that <laughs> shit." Like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, they were they were always just as sweet as they are now, and always took care of yeah, bands yeah. and all that. So, but the, the now they're just like a normal. Like there's just a little more normalcy, like you know, it's late as is as a normal show, like maybe ten or eleven, but like two in the morning, like I don't even necessarily want to be awake then if I can help it, let alone sing into a microphone. Uh, yeah, I but, don't know. I don't know what uh, how tour. You know, we're gonna have to adjust fast because the quarantining has been, you know, has has shaken our our inner our our inner clock quite a bit. Oh yeah. When you think about all the things that, uh, you know, of course everybody's missing shows, but people aren't really talking about the, the aspects of shows that we got used to that we aren't necessarily going to mm-hmm. be like. I think I keep thinking like the first time there's a drunk asshole in the front row, our tolerance for that is going to be so low now. You know, we used to kind of be able to tune it out. Now it's going to be like, ah, oh, God. We have a much more curated existence right now, as far as like who we see on a daily basis. So yeah, it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a little bit of a rough uh, adjustment period. But well, maybe we'll love that drunk asshole in the front row. Maybe we'll be like, oh my god, thank you for existing. I missed you so much, even though. <laughs> no, yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know that that is the a much more positive way to think about it. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, maybe we'll be we'll be like you know more grateful about all of this because. It's yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy not to be able to play shows, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, you know, I am just excited that you're. I was really excited to hear that this full length is in the works, just because I just keep going back to this EP. It's it's got a ton of replay value for me, and oh, each song kind of gets me in a different way. Um, and I just every time I listen to it, I'm like, wow, I could like this feels uh feels like you got the it doesn't feel like this EP needs to be longer I think it that the statement really works well as a five song piece but it does make me want to like immediately hear the next record so I'm well, glad I'm, that it's on the works I'm work. happy I can't I can't wait to 
you know, share those songs with you and other people and, you know, keep, I, I mean, I'm just in a place where I just want to keep writing songs and just keep recording and keep growing and, you know, share, share the love yeah. with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm happy that that's the headspace. Because maybe I'm sick of them, but maybe somebody else isn't sick of them, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not fair to hold them hostage. That's exactly. How I yeah, the world wants it. Let us have it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about what's gonna happen with you guys down the road. And uh, man, that uh, the live stream you guys just did was like, I have not been live streamed crazy. Like a lot of them haven't really moved me in any way, uh, just because the format can be so half-assed, I guess. But you guys yeah. set the bar so high. I'm like, that's how you fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, and, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Jesperson at all, but he's, a. Uh, he, yes, my, 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 Roddy's very familiar with Peter, yeah. Did he catch Peter's post about the, about the live stream set? Yeah, he, Peter's a good friend of mine. yeah, Peter, he says, Peter's a good friend of mine. Well, Peter is awesome and such a inspiration in his own right, but I think that he, I think he pretty concisely summed up why you guys are like a shining example of how to be, to do like an internet show. Cause it was just, there's something like, usually you feel like there's something about that energy that is just never going to be captured in that format as authentically. But I felt like I was there, you know, felt like I was at the show. Well, we, we, we gave it all we had. Yeah. That's for, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, you, yeah, you guys. Roddy wants to say something. Lay it on us. <laughs> I was a, uh, I've always been a, a giant replacements fan, thanks to my brother. Uh, and when the first tour that I did with Dan, we were on our way out to California and I ordered a brand new Rickenbacker bass and they had it delivered to Peter's house because he was working for the label that we were on at the time. New West maybe? Yeah, New West. Yeah. So when we get, we get out to the desert to play the show and then I get to like basically punish Peter Jesperson as he hands me my new bass. Oh, my God. Well, he's, like, the nicest, most, like, humble, easy-to-talk-to guy. But, yeah, no, I, I could not uh, agree with you more about a love of the replacements. The first guest we ever had on this podcast was Tommy Stinson, and uh, I, I'm, I'm a unapologetic mega-fan of the band. And yeah. Peter so we, is Peter's it's just, like, a freaking... If that's what... If that's what the music industry was run by, like the Peter Jespersons of the world, wouldn't oh, well, it be? Oh, it's a- legit. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, somewhat of like a, you know, a Cinderella story in the sense that like people who had a real passion for music went out and did what, you know, did what you're supposed to do. Right. Perpetuated rock and roll. And it was funny because like when we, the next day after we played in like uh, in Pioneer Town somewhere, but then the next day Peter Jefferson was taking us all out to Joshua Tree to walk around and check out you know the park. Wow. And then on the way back, it ended up like we split up cars, and he was like, "Well, who wants to ride with me?" And I was like, "Oh, well, I will." <laughs> and then the entire ride from Joshua Tree back to L.A., he just started regaling me with all these replacement stories and uh, stories about Alex Chilton and when he got to be friends with him. And he would be like, oh, you know, I never get to tell these stories, so just tell me to stop whenever. And I was like, tell me everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had Peter on the show, too, and I was, like, just having a field day picking his brain. Uh, yeah. I've currently got him uh, 
hunting down. I, I, the, maybe the most like transparent, uh, thing I've ever done. I was like, Hey, like, you know, we've, we've gotten to know each other slightly better. I feel like I can ask you this. If you ever find a copy of when the shit hits the fans lying around, please let me know. (laughs) It was like, I felt the maybe the nerdiest request I've ever made in my life, but I was like, he is nice enough that I think I can say this and not feel like a total idiot, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I, I nerded out on Peter quite hard. Pretty hard not to, man. He's talking to me, so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad that he that he uh, that he was tuning in for that live set because it was pretty phenomenal, and he definitely had like, yep, that's exactly how I would put it, you know, like that. What like what did what did he say? Hardly a breath between the songs. Like I don't know, something about watching you guys play. It's it's something else. So I'm, I hope that that when you know, when this full-length JR record comes out, that you guys hop behind the songs and tore your asses off and do something awesome with it. I, I'm sure we will. <laughs> I'm sure we will. As, as soon as we get the green light from the world. Yeah, and right. We all, we all can't wait, really. Yeah. Well, keep us posted. I, I, I can't wait to hear it. And, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. One day... We'll probably cross paths again, I or uh, you know at least I hope so. But uh, for the meantime, it's been great getting to talk to you. I'm glad we got a little guest appearance from both dad and the and the husband in the mix. We got the whole the family hus- on mic. And the husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not he's not been circling around the perimeter. He's yeah, been just he's been, he's been wanting. He's been wanting it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today and uh, and for putting up with me being in the, uh, at least a slight, uh, slightly guilty of being in the tardy party today, but... Oh, it's, I'm, it's fine. I don't care. I'm the most easygoing person you'll ever meet. Well, it was awesome talking to you and do me a favor and uh, give your dad a heads up that he's next in the queue to, to be on the show. <laughs> All right, will do. Nice talking to you, yeah. too. Yeah, y'all have a great night. You too. All right, bye.